Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode way to start a Friday for sure. I am thrilled to say that I am joined by BAFTA award-winning director Michael J. Ferns. Michael, thanks so much for coming on The Bra and the Brave. Thank you for having me. How are you today? I'm all right. I'm good, thanks. I'm, I'm all the better for seeing your beautiful cat. I'm so chuffed that you introduced me to Oh, Bob. yes, we had, we, had a, we had a pre-record cat meet. Always, always there for the cats and dogs. This is what I miss about, so prior to COVID, I did over 70 episodes in person. So I would either mm. go to people's homes or they would come to me. So I was always chuffed when there was like cats or dogs in the action. In fact, there's been quite a few in, in the podcast that have arrived unannounced, which oh, I'm always there for. Sad times, there's, there's not as much of a tactile experience when you're, <sighs> when you're remote. Well, we're getting there though. We're getting there. And, <laughs> I, and I guess we'll get to that. I mean, we can't avoid talking about COVID these days, but um, mm. I'm really interested to to hear about your experience over the last sure. year of working. But um, I guess like, so I was introduced to your work, although it's one of these things you don't realise you've seen someone's work loads until someone else shows you and you're like, all right, okay, oh, I've absolutely seen this person's work <laughs> and it's amazing. Yeah, last year, so Cameron Barnes, who is a broad brave veteran he was on the podcast last year in fact he was like the second last interview i did in real life before covid but anyway mm. um you directed his music video with blythe duff um for fairy yes. tale in new york oh my word that film is just beautiful oh thank you yeah no it was it was a, i mean obviously there's good material there at base but um yeah no it's just it was a nice it was a nice way to kind of tie up i think the you know the end of a of a year that kind of speaks to that you know, the, the distance um, in the song and, you know, in the relationships between those two characters. And it was actually, it was a mixture of uh, Blythe and Cammy's idea originally. And then Blythe came to me because um, we had a kind of, you know, just connection over social media. And uh, she wrote to me having seen, you know, work that I'd done before. And uh, we ended up just having a chat about what it could be, but it was all turned around in a matter of about six days from conception to wow. shoot and then completed very shortly after that. They were on a on a tight deadline and a, an even tighter budget. <laughs> but sometimes that's sometimes those those parameters can be quite. Um, what would you say? They they kind of they allow you to operate creatively with within within tight parameters, which yeah, I think it's is like all uh, hands on deck, just nice get it done. Thing. Exactly. Yeah, and and without the kind of bureaucracy often entailed in having a million people involved and too much time for them to think about things. Yeah, because if you're not if you're not aware of that world that you work in, I can't even mm. imagine how many people that you are collaborating with and have yeah. discussions with before, during and after. Collaborating is collaborating. a generous word often. Right, <laughs> I hear you. Okay, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, you know, when I was looking at your website, so obviously then I wanted to familiarise myself with more of your work having been on your Instagram and saw some of your work. Sure. Because it's so funny because then you're, you just make all the connections because this is when you realise like, Scotland's such a small place, but... Someone mm. else I know has been in an advert that you directed as well. And I was like, right. oh, there's Craig in the Scottish beef advert. Oh, right. Yes, 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 yes. He was with, like with the, the young farmer. Yes. So I was like, there you go. There's somebody else. <laughs> like all the connections. But oh, yeah. yeah, when I went onto your website, obviously I was reading the kind of bio it's on there. And I was like, all right, okay. So, wow, Michael is BAFTA award winning. And then it was like, you won a, a BAFTA when you were 
16, is that correct? That is correct, yes. We, um, we like, made, how uh, did that even happen? <laughs> <laughs> well, we made a, um, a f- a exceptionally ambitious, no-budget feature film um, about in Scotland, actually. So I'm from a village called Balfron, which is just outside of, uh, outside of Glasgow. And um, yeah, I, I'd been kind of obsessed with filmmaking and the process since I was 12. The connection with Blythe actually goes back to then because they filmed an episode of, uh, or part of an episode of Taggart at my grandparents' house. And I went to observe and I was like, this is amazing. I need to be part of this. (laughs) So, um, so that, that connection has a long, has a long um, history, but uh, essentially, yeah, kind of obsessively did that kind of stuff, making short films, you know, getting my family to act in things. They, always, you know, ended up being gruesomely murdered in, in a variety of creative <laughs> ways, as is the mind of a 14-year-old boy. <laughs> um, and, uh, but yeah, sort of, just sort of building up that kind of stuff, most doing most of the things myself, you know, kind of shooting things myself, editing, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And then when I was 16, I collaborated with the sort of local film council in my village, which was just a, a kind of club that, um, uh, that showed, you know, movies, at the high school, but they had a, they had a little bit of sort of creative funding. And then we managed to source a little bit more funding from the co-op. Um, and I essentially, yeah, embarked upon this 90 minute historical feature film um, about um, the uh, local legend where there was a reverend in the 1600s that believed in fairies. And we had all sorts of right. costumes and locations. I mean, it was a very exciting thing for a, for a group of 16 year olds, school kids um, to be involved in and uh yeah we we somehow pulled off something how uh how much it stands up to the test of time as uh <laughs> well it's up for debate but um yeah yeah and that, that's that's kind of how that came about and then i i went on after that to study at the royal conservatoire in glasgow um and then after graduating moved moved down to london but always behind the camera never decided like oh actually i quite fancy <laughs> fancy donna no. one of those costumes no I, it's, it's, I, I don't I, I don't like the confidence i perhaps just like the skill um it's uh yeah no i've never i've, I've always always interested in the filmmaking process you know but the things that interested me to begin with were always kind of you know camera work and editing and how all those kind of things came together you know when you're kind of starting out it's the kind of the base level stuff i think that kind of gets you excited you know how that that piece of film cuts with the music and you know how you introduce camera movement into things and stuff like that the the kind of you know the kind of fundamentals that once you kind of move beyond that those intuitions form part of your storytelling let's say further down the line um but yeah it's that kind of it's just kind of self a lot of self-taught stuff really and um yeah and then as i said i went to the the conservatoire for uh for three years but yeah, it was re- it was really the kind of filmmaking process that, that that drove me rather than rather than the desire to be on screen. By the time you got to the conservatoire, you would have already had this wealth of information and experience because you were just doing it, you were just making it happen. And I guess, like, obviously, to go and study something, you get that further knowledge and experience, and you know, but it's actually in the mix doing it isn't it i guess you don't really learn until you're actually on set making things well i 100 percent agree with that i mean i think there's you know there's a, a lot of you know successful creatives begin by exploring their avenues themselves because i guess there's there's a, there's a type of experience you get from you know from having it kind of formally taught to you and then there's a, a very different kind of experience when you when you kind of naively explore it yourself because mm-hmm. obviously you know age 12 13 14 15 you know you're not in 
a professional filmmaking world, but you are kind of, you know, emulating what you see in your, 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 you know, especially at the time when I was doing as well, because obviously it wasn't, it wasn't 30 years ago, but it also wasn't, you know, five years ago. And I think, you know, the, the, the technology was in, was in a place that was in a sort of transitional phase, you know, it was, it was accessible enough for me to be able to do stuff, but not so accessible that, you know, the apps did everything for you. You know, there was no TikTok uh-huh. and, you know, and all of, all of that kind of stuff, but also, you know, I wasn't, you know, cutting film in my basement with a pair of scissors. So <laughs> I think, you know, there's, you know, so I, I think it was probably quite a good place, you know, cause the access to digital technology was, was, was growing. Um, but it wasn't, it, you know, it wasn't as automated as things are now. I do slightly worry about filmmakers starting off now and relying on a lot of the the kind of formatted app based stuff that we have. I mean, I guess the, you know, the the, the landscape of where the output's going to be is going to change a bit as well. But I think the craft is found in creating stuff as much from scratch as possible. And I'm sure people that operated on film felt the same about <laughs> about you know yeah. everything being available digitally but i think yeah for me it was kind of exploring those things emulating what i'd seen trying to recreate what i'd seen you know and uh, kind of working that stuff out for myself obviously the what happens as you get older is that you 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 appreciate the the necessary discipline let's say that that comes from kind of formalizing the, the process so you know yeah. so going from you know a sort of self-shooting editor, filmmaker person that like, let's say I was doing as a teenager to, you know, the sets I'm working on now where obviously everyone's a lot more specialized. I direct, ex- you know, exclusively, but we're working with a team of, you know, a, a crew of 40, 50 people, you know, and everyone has yeah. their, everyone has their specialized role. And you, you know, that's, that's a necessary thing, but also as a director, it's, I certainly value the, the experience of having, attempted at least in some part to operate in all of those different um areas because then you know your job as a director is the kind of you know ship's captain as it were you know you're you're collaborating with all of the all of your heads of department who all have their teams underneath them but you have to have at least a you know kind of rudimental understanding of what they're doing in order for that collaboration to work um but obviously i would never pretend to be a specialist cinematographer or a you know a costume designer or a producer Mm. or a assistant director or any of the you know the other things that sort of support me on in that job but i think the the value of having done a lot of that stuff at least in some manner yourself allows you to have that appreciation that makes those collaborations more fruitful what is your kind of earliest memory of appreciating film like what was the impetus to start making Mm. your own was it that that interaction with the tiger (laughs) Well, I'm at, I'm at, to be honest, I mean, I think there was there was a, there was a little before that. I'm actually not sure what it was. I've always had quite a an obsessive personality. I think I think it would be it would be fair to say that have if I'd been born a, a you know a decade or so later, there would definitely have been some kind of like oh, should we check him for ADHD or something like that, you know? But uh, um, but you know, I kind of I think the you know my attention to detail and attention to kind of obsessively following something through. So, you know, when I was younger, I was, you know, obsessed with sharks and then dinosaurs and Superman and Star Wars and, you know, and, and I, and I was kind of all in on these things mm-hmm. when they were happening. Yeah. And I think that the filmmaking one is just the one that stuck, you know, it's uh, and, and I was, you know, very much all in. And I think there's a, there's a real, I do believe there's a real value to kind of, you know, aiming single-mindedly at something and then just seeing what happens, you know, because yeah. creating, 
you know, innovating and creating is never really a waste of time, you know, and I think, I think, you know, that, that, you know, you might not achieve precisely what you thought you were setting out to achieve, but I think that the benefits expand beyond the boundaries of what your goal is, but you have to, you know, you have to, you have to really clearly set a goal in order to, to, uh, to move because otherwise you've got nothing to move towards. Right. So I think the thing for me is when I was, when I was younger, I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. And I was like, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to organize my time and my efforts around that pursuit, let's say. And and I think, you know, as, as creatives, you know, actors and podcasters and, you know, and, and photographers and any manner of creative pursuit, there is, people understand that desire to just go all in on a single focus because it's like, well, it's bloody hard enough to, to, to get there, you know, yeah. and, and if you're not all in, it's like, well, what chance do you think you have then? It's like, you know, you can be all in and not manage it. It's like, well, you're not going to manage it if you're not all in. So it's like, so so you do need to kind of put that in. I think that was for me just, it became a thing. I'm actually not sure what the impetus was really initially, Um, but I enjoyed it. And then the the, the Taggart, the reason my my grandparents took the, you know, accepted the the filming at Taggart was because Mm. they knew I was interested in it already. And then, you know, I'd never seen a, I'd never seen like a functional drama set operate on that scale. So, you know, that was a super exciting thing. And, you know, the, the cast were willing to chat to me and the director was willing to chat to me. And, you know, that was a super, super useful thing and and exciting. You know, it kind of gave me the, mm. the buzz. And I think, yeah, it was just yeah. kind of beyond that. I just kind of was like, no, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to work out how to do it. I love that. I love just when someone's just got their eye on the prize and, you know, clearly it's worked out like you're saying you were all in from the get-go and, you know, look at you now, like the things that you've achieved to date is like incredible. And the thing is, obviously, you make variable qualities of things as you're, as you're growing up, obviously. <laughs> you know, you know I, was, I was all in at 14, but it doesn't mean I would be like, you know, showcasing that stuff now but i think you know that's it's just it's a part of the process you know it's a process that's well that's the mm. thing it is the process and like you were saying like you might have your eye on the prize in terms of what you want it to look like but it's the learning curve it's the experience the people you meet the things that happen the product that at the end of the day is, is something that you probably can never have imagined because it, like you were saying it is a process and it's not always going to work out the way that you thought it would yeah i fully agree and i apply that mm. to my work today you know i mean I, you know I, I do i work mostly mostly in in uh, tv commercials and the projects you get are not always the most always the best scripts or the most you know the best budgets or the most exciting things and then sometimes they are and then sometimes you know the the budgets are huge but the script isn't very good or sometimes you get a great script and there's not enough money to do it and it's you know it's like like with any of these pursuits but i i definitely apply that principle of this i I don't think there's a single job i've done that wasn't worth doing you know that's either financially because this also has to be a job but also you know there is something you learn whether it's through the mistakes you make or whether it's through something new you've uh, you've explored and you know achieved then mm. you know i think you can always take that forward and then th- there's there's rarely been an experience if any where there hasn't been something i can take forward and apply yeah, to something valuable in the future so I, if anything that's an advocation of of um taking every opportunity that's thrown your way it's very rarely going to be a waste of your time but i guess with someone in your position you're at the point now where you'll be offered so many things that I guess it's like going with your gut as well. And along the way, you'll have went with your gut in terms of like, okay, I'm, I'm going to pursue that or I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to take that on. Has that mostly worked out in that sense as well? Like just kind of, yeah, this feels right. This feels like something I should be doing. Because mm-hmm. I guess you'll have your projects that, your dream projects, things that you're like passionate about, subject matters or stories that you want to tell. Whereas there might be other projects you're like, I'm doing this because 
X, Y, and Z. Yeah, well, yeah, but I think I think you, you, I approach every project with a diff, you know, with a different focus, you know, and and some some projects are, yeah, some projects are, are you say, as you say, sorry, um, have a a theme behind them or a message or you know, something you want to communicate that you think is very valuable. But sometimes it's just really beautiful. Sometimes you get to shoot in beautiful places, and and I don't accept the the idea that you know that something for pure aesthetic sake isn't worth worth its while also because there is you know there's there's great beauty to be found in the world and it's it's, it's a really important thing to stop and appreciate you know beautiful moments and beautiful scenery and beautiful music and you know all of those kind of things and i think that's you know not everything has a a, a super kind of existentially important message um no, but it's great when it does and it's and and some but everything everything has its it's something i mean i think you know you you might be hard pressed to find you know, an exciting thing in when you're selling a dishwasher, but it's like, I haven't done a dishwasher commercial, but you never know. <laughs> um, Put that in but, the bottom uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we never know. We'll see what comes <laughs> back. Um, I don't think I'm selling myself well for that. No, thank you. Um, the uh, But but yes, there's something valuable in everything. Um, mm. And yeah, and I've definitely taken that approach. I think it's, it's hard to say, you know, because your original question was the opportunity, I've sort of followed on intuition and, and opportunities up to this point. I mean, it's obviously I, I have only been on that journey, so it's hard to know what I've missed let's say but yes. it's also been the fact that up to up until you know perhaps the last few years i i haven't been a uh, mega picky in terms of what's been sent my way you know i mean my my process as a director in in advertising and you know in, in most kind of professional arenas where you direct you you're, you you pitch on work you know mm-hmm. and you know it's like an actor auditioning in some sense you know you so you're rarely are, are things handed to you until you get to, you know, a, a certain level, you know, and, and oh, yeah. you know, I've, I've, there's, there's a nice balance now where I'm, you know, the bigger work I obviously have to pitch on and then sometimes smaller work comes in that is just given to you. And that's a nice thing mm. as well. Um, but, but yeah, but up until, up until the last few years, I, I, I mean, I haven't really had the option to be mega picky. I've taken everything that's come. And I think that's been, I think that's also been good because as I say, if you find that there's value in everything, even if the value isn't immediately obvious to you from the get go, Yes. Well, I I don't know why you would trust your instincts that maybe that's not the right way to phrase it, but I, I wouldn't be so sure that there isn't value in the things that don't seem obviously valuable at the time, you know, and I, and I think, you know, yes. sometimes, sometimes, you know, I've taken projects on through necessity being like, oh, I, you know, I, I don't have anything on at this point. I need to, mm-hmm. you know, I want to be paid for this thing, let's say. And you're like, oh, well, that's not, doesn't sound very interesting. I don't know what's going to be valuable from that. And then at some point down the line, that, that choice pays off. But yeah, like, it's, I guess it's having the right attitudes behind it going, I'm going to do this. It's going to be great. There's going to be something that's worthwhile doing. I just don't know what it is yet. F- fully, fully, fully agree with that. Yeah. And I think if yeah. you put your all as a creative, it was like, you know, if you're going into this industry as a creative, it's like, well, you surely aren't looking for an easy ride of it because, <laughs> you know, because that's, well, that would be foolish and naive to begin with. But, but it's also like, well, you have to do it. You have, if you're going to enter an arena where it's, very difficult to get anything off the ground and to make a living out of it it's like you well you damn well better be passionate about it and then it's like well if you are then you should put your all into everything and see what happens you know and 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 generally what happens when you put your all into everything is better than what happens if you don't (laughs) correct i think as as creatives we're just naturally born problem solvers we enjoy we, we enjoy a challenge we're happy with the hurdles because we, we know that we'll figure it out and, and it might be a collaborative experience it might be something that's planted on your plate and you need to figure it out but I think it's that we're always looking for something to overcome a challenge something to learn well I think you know? I think I think I think that's that's very true because yeah. I think the 
there is obviously you know th- there's something to be said for the for the saying you know it's a, it's about the journey not the destination you know and essentially essentially that is that the meaningful part of this experience is the is your attempts to overcome the challenges that are thrown your way in your attempt to climb let's say the kind of mm. hierarchy towards the goal that you're looking to attain but the goal isn't actually where you want to be because the goal is going to keep shifting and it should keep shifting because you know you don't want to be the point where you're like okay well i've done everything now because the meaning is found in in, in the journey and and yes. you know obviously that can be difficult if you feel like you're going nowhere and that can be you know if you're attempting things and it just feels like you're constantly being knocked back and that can be very demoralizing but you know the sweet spot is where everything is not handed to you on a plate because then that's not particularly meaningful but that you're making kind of let's say steady progress incremental progress that is in line with the efforts you're pushing in and it's like well that's the part where you're like okay there's i'm like i'm i'm feeling a real sense of meaning and and feeling a sense of meaning in that process is more than just enjoying it it's not that you enjoy it because sometimes the meaningful things aren't actually the bits that are fun let's say but it's like it's that sense of well it's a sense of meaning i don't i can't think of another way to explain it really it's 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 a sense of like, no, I should be doing this. There's, there's a reason yeah. I'm not doing something else. If you can imagine that there's a reason you're not doing something else and you feel it you know, in your bones, then, well, you're probably doing the right thing. Spot on. You just took me back to so many situations where, you know, you're in it and you're like, oh, God, like just trying to figure this out. And every, you know, everybody's throwing stuff in the mix. And you're like, no, 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 that's not right. And, and, it, and it seems really difficult and really challenging, but you wouldn't have it any other way. That's for sure. That is a sweet spot. That is a yeah, sweet spot. and it is, and 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 it's also it's it's not tangible, but I think that's ah. best. I think that's best summarized as a as a meaningful experience because you can't you can't break it down to fun or it's not just fun. Although it, it can also be fun, it's not just fun. It's not just you know uh, frustrating, and it's not just difficult, and it's not just easy. It's like the challenge that you know the meaning's in the challenge, but it's also yeah. in the fact that you're successfully. And slowly overcoming the challenge. It's like that is the that's the bit. It's like, you know, the you know, when 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 you when something has been difficult for so long and then you make that step towards solving it, let's say. Um that's that's Ooh. the thing where you're like, oh yes, no, I feel this. I know this is why I'm here yeah. to do this. That's the, it's it's a really difficult thing to articulate, but but you just know You're doing it beautifully. You know? You're articulating. Doing my best. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess you know, if anyone just has no idea about what it is you do on a daily basis and it's one of those things you can't every day will be different but if you mm. were to do if you were to give us a kind of snapshot of a day in the life of a director sure what do well, you get up to michael <laughs> perhaps it's like a a job in the life of a director Great. Than a day. Oh, so, I, yeah. so, so i think you know i mean well the director as i, as I, I used the kind of you know cliched analogy before of you know like the captain of a ship i think the yes. you're you're there as the creative steering force let's say on a on a project so whatever the project is whether it's a commercial whether it's a short film whether it's a you know a a feature film or tv series whatever the point of view is to have a singular vision that you work with all the other disciplines and departments in order to uh, achieve let's say so Mm -hmm. so my job when i you know let's say take the tv commercial world is that the hierarchy and structure of, of, of commercials is that a client will hire an advertising agency. The advertising agency is responsible for coming up with the, the strategy of a campaign. You know, they'll write that. They've got copywriters and art directors who are, uh, who are teams that 
are essentially the writers of ads. You know, so they also plan campaigns beyond that. But they're huge, big companies, advertising agencies. And so the writers, you know, write the ads, that all gets sorted with the client. And this is all before anyone in production gets involved. They then, once that's all signed off and the client's happy with the idea, they'll then pitch that out to to multiple production companies and, and ask and say, like, would you have any directors on your list of directors, your roster? And it, that would be appropriate for this idea. You know, perhaps we're looking for someone who has experience in, you know, working closely with actors and also shooting beautiful drinks, let's say. And we're looking for that combination. And then each production company will put forward a director, the creatives and at uh, the agency, they're called creatives. They are, the writers are known as creatives. They'll select um, three or four directors to pitch on the job. So the other ones get told, sorry, your reel doesn't match this. You know that happens, and then uh, and then you you know you're invited to pitch on it, and then what I do is if I'm invited to pitch is I will write a treatment for the idea. So I've got the script, and then basically I break it down and go, well, here's how I would approach all of these different things. It's like, well, here's what I can add to the script, not in terms of adding dialogue, but it's like here's how I imagine it coming to life. So I write a kind of prose breakdown of the of, of the idea, and it's like, well, here's how I view the production design, here's how I view the cinematography, here's how I view the music, here's how I would approach. Um, looking for locations here's the kind of tonality of it here's how i would cast it here's how i would focus on the actors here's how we'll showcase your product blah 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 blah. and you break down basically all of the production elements of and then whatever treatment is best and in accordance with the budget that the production companies fit word because they'll also be given a budget and it's like well how can you do this within budget and you know etc etc that gets forward and then that production company and that director is awarded the job and then it's actually then that's the point where you actually start making the damn thing (laughs) and and the job and the job for me is to bring the this vision that i've created in the treatment let's say to to life so i'll work closely with my cinematographer and under the cinematographer he has his team of you know focus pillars and uh, his lighting team gaffers and all sorts of uh, crew members under him and i'll work with the production designer who's in charge of set design work with the costume work with makeup work with um, you know food stylists or drink stylists, depending on the kind of thing it is, work with casting director in order to find a cast, hold auditions, blah, blah, blah. That's all the prep, work with the producer on location sourcing, location scouting, all of that kind of stuff. Then we go to shoot it on the day. I am directing actors and working closely with the cinematographer. I'm working closely with all of the heads of departments, signing stuff off, making decisions about blocking, all, you know, all this stuff, working with the actors. That is the day of filming, let's say condensed rather but you know that's essentially it yes. then um and then after that <laughs> I follow it, I, yes exactly i follow <laughs> it through with the edit so i work with the what's called the offline editor the offline editor is the editor who cuts the picture together with that gets sent back to uh agency and clients so there's remember there's the layers of production company i work for then there's the advertising agency above them and then there's the client above them and that all gets passed through them for pieces of feedback and all that kind of stuff we push back on as much stuff as we we can because obviously we've sent them something that we like um yes. we have those you know the politics of those uh, conversations and then they are um and then there's a, basically this, what happens is picture lock happens which is when everyone's decided that's that's the edit locked and then we move into the onlining stage so that's the offline stage when you count the picture the onlining stage is things like color grading where we make everything look polished and you know yes. basically the photoshop of moving image mm-hmm. um we do kind of color grading to make sure the you know the, the colors are right and the levels of contrast and brightness and stuff within the image um, and any kind of other VFX stuff. So there's a lot more VFX in things than you think there is. You know, it's not always, you know, big 3D 
aliens and robots there's very what often like oh, oh, <laughs> the it's very very often like oh i don't like that you know the the street lamp in the back let's replace that with a tree or i don't like you know there's you know there's a kind wow. of super right. subtle things or touching people's makeup up you know there, there might have been a bit of lipstick that was missed in one thing so that gets touched oh, up and right. you know and so, so it goes through this process then i work with my composer who composes the music for the thing so i sit in the studio with him and we go through the process of writing obviously that's all been briefed in with the agency before we've decided on the kind of thing we're going for demo Mm -hmm. tracks are sent to them for sign off then if they need to bring any musicians or or, you know live musicians and all of that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff in that gets recorded fully mastered out put on the edit sound mixed color graded all the kind of stuff packaged up and then at some point it's like there's your there's your film go and and do something (laughs) with it yeah (laughs) Gosh. That was exten- extended. I mean, that was that, that was a condensed version, but it, there's a, uh, you, you can see why the analogy of the the ship's captain is there in the sense that you know I can't yes. do all of these things individually, but I have to, I have to be over all of these things, and I have to make mm-hmm. sure that that all of these departments are working towards the same vision, and I'm the one yeah. that's got to keep that vision in check. Wow, a huge amount of work, huge amount, and and delegation as well. And I guess because mm-hmm. as your baby, you've been given this this job as the ship's captain mm, it's sure. that it's like trusting your team you know and yeah. trusting your your vision and also trusting your your communication of the idea to everyone i think like as much as like communication is important like i'm thinking all the dances that you need to do with all these people and different departments in different worlds of work slightly different to each other so mm. i guess you'll need to be like well versed in like well the advertising agency they speak like that yeah you know i mean like i can imagine like you need to like coordinate yourself into like, all these different spaces all these realms of course there's a lot of politics a lot of politics yeah, yeah imagine it's, it's interesting you know i was having a uh, i had a little kind of uh, uh, linkedin contretemps this morning someone was someone i don't know criticized something i'd posted or something like that and you know, and, and I, I kind of, you know, in, in, in a lesser uh, calm moment had snapped back with something like, oh, well, you know, the, the building relationships is also super important. So might want to adjust your tone or something like that. And they came back with, oh, yes, yes, this industry is full of fake relationships and, you know, and, and you know, being, you know, kind of, uh, what would you say? Sort of glad handing, I think, was kind of what he was saying. And, okay. and I, I, I I very much disagree with the with with that take, and it was just it was interesting that that popped up this morning because I think if you've not been in this world, you don't understand how important the politics are, and the politics don't need to be cynical. You know, it, it's it's relationships. Like I mean, you you're you're every relationship you have and every conversation you have is political in some sense, in the sense that you are you're managing contextual expectations and. And you're managing the history of relationships, you know, and, and, you know, and sensitivities and all of these kind of things. And, and you know, and, and there's obviously there's a great deal of value to being truthful and honest with people, but there's also a great deal of value in tact and, and, and in, you know, understanding the nuances of, of, of conversational dynamics. And I just thought I was interesting that someone from who I would view as being slightly from the outside of this world was so confidently like, oh yes, it's all it's all nonsense, all this relationship building stuff. And I'm like, well, it's not because no, the process absolutely. doesn't work otherwise, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and I think the, the communication can't be devalued because managing relationships when, when the process is so extended and, mm-hmm. uh, and is, is such a, this, there's so much, so many departments all relying on each other to produce yeah. certain parts that the communication is vital. In fact, if that, if that isn't there, then, 
you know, the, the, the failure of most projects is normally at the hands of a failure to communicate properly. Yeah. Yeah, and like you're saying, everybody's got this vision. Everybody's working towards the same, the common goal kind of thing. Mm. So it's it's just managing. So you need to. Well, well, yeah, I mean, well, that's very true. It's like if there's a com- what makes a goal common is your ability to articulate it to one another. Otherwise, it's <laughs> yes. not a common goal. <laughs> <laughs> true. You know, I'm very impressed in, in the way that you communicate yourself. Like I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying this conversation. It's and it's very evident to me that you are, you know, someone who communicates themselves clearly and is able to express themselves in a way that I, I can very much see that that's a strength of yours that you are able to talk passionately about your work but you're also able to just communicate yourself clearly like everything you've said makes absolute sense to me well thank you but um I think the yeah, as I, I is, feel to communicate myself <laughs> clearly <laughs> well, it's, well it's, it's obviously important to be able to get certainly for a director's perspective but also just mm. you know in life it's important to be able to communicate your your process and and your thoughts because it can't be it can't just be all in your head if it's all in your head and you can't you can't articulate that to people then well it's it's not an idea that can be made because people don't know what they're they're working on um mm-hmm. but i think you know the ability to kind of even just conceptualize what you're doing because i think that's a, that's a different thing as well it's like lots i think a lot of people can communicate their own ideas but i think what gives what might give you an edge as a creative is being able to to conceptualize what it is that you're doing, to know that actually the reason you need to communicate in this manner is because here's a macro perspective of the process and you can see how it might fail if you fail to mm-hmm. have these relationships functioning and all of, mm-hmm. all of that kind of thing. So I think the ability to abstract your process and and view it from a macro perspective is important as well because it's so easy in the process to get to get so obsessed with the micro level stuff you know that you're kind of feeling that moment you know and 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 why are they not getting this and you know and why can't i do this and you know you know of course i've had those those moments but i think that there is great value in being able to stand outside and go okay well here's the part you play in this overall picture i mean to be honest i think if people viewed life and politics in that manner we might be in a better place as well um but uh (laughs) but certainly in the within the realm of you know the creative arts i think your ability yeah. to place yourself within the the uh, the context of the role that you play mm. and be able to stand outside of that as well as be fully in it is i think being able to balance those two things is super important yeah. apologies if that was mega abstract but no no i totally understand what you're saying like it's being able to take yourself out of that and, and appreciate everyone's role as well like i guess it's that sensitivity to what everybody's doing precisely yeah and I mean, I know obviously you were saying that every single job you do, there's a lesson to be learned. There's something of value there, meaning have there been particular, Not we're not talking favourites here, but have there been particular <laughs> pieces that you've worked on that for you, you know, there's been something like a pivotal moment or something, hmm. you know, a transition that's felt quite distinctive for you or just like, you know, that's like a major lesson learned or a big tick of the box. Yeah, I mean... I- yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's obviously a piece. I mean, I could definitely point out favorite pieces of work. I'm not mm-hmm. I, I'm certainly not making the claim that that I'm kind of equally satisfied with everything I produce. It's, I mean, I think there's, as I said, there's value in the process of each thing, but that doesn't mean yes. that every, everything that comes out is is wonderful, regardless of how actually wonderful it is. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, there's definitely favorite pieces of work. I mean, I, I've done. I work with a Scottish production company in Edinburgh quite a lot called Green Room Films, and 
I've done some really nice pieces of work with them. We did a film for the launch of the New Caledonian Sleeper Train a few years ago. And, you know, it was just, we had, we had, a, we had a great deal of freedom to shoot really beautiful stuff. You know, we had a kind of helicopter flying over Scotland following the train. And we had, you know, we shot in, um, we did a very cold night shoot in Glasgow Central Station where we, we kind of, we'd sort of had platform one cordoned off while all the, all the people on on a Friday night while everyone that was kind of <laughs> piling through in, 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 uh, in a not so, uh, what would you say, composed manner. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, and we shot on the train and we did lots of sort of VFX work, you know, out, outside the windows to make the train look like it was moving and stuff. And it was like, it was an, in, I, I enjoyed the creative process of that. It's also mm. working with great creative people. Um, but I think that the most meaningful experiences I've had on set is when you just, you know, it's again, that slightly intangible thing of when you just feel like something's really working and you're like, Oh, I'm excited about how this is going to come together. You know, and you can see it when you're on set and you can see it through the monitor. There's often stuff you're like, okay, this is good, but there's, there's definitely moments where you're like, Oh, I like, I know this, this whole thing up till this point. Cause obviously bearing in mind before you get on set, there's, there's normally months of prior parts to the process, but you're like, okay, this is, this is coming together kind of as I'd hoped, or yeah. it's coming together better than you were, the magic were capable happened. of you know <laughs> capable of imagining you know and i think that's you know that that that's that's brilliant it's interesting because i think you know you talked before about the the value of projects where there's you know there's a message behind it or there's a you know mm. something that you care about it's actually something i struggle to um combine like because i have i have kind of passionate political and socio-political interests mm-hmm. as lots of people do um and I have my interest in filmmaking and I, and I haven't actually managed to make those things cohere yet. Okay. And, yeah. you know, it's, I like it's how you say so, yet. <laughs> so, so I, well, well, possibly. Yeah. I mean, I, it's interesting because, you know, I, I view them at the moment as sort of separate entities. You know, I, I, I I'm in, I'm fascinated at, in discussing politics and in discussing philosophy and, you know, all of those kind of things. And I'm very interested in the kind of intuitive creative process of the filmmaking thing and mm-hmm. it's not obvious to me that i necessarily want to combine those things i don't right. know yes fair enough. i'm just being honest you know I, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure yeah. You, yeah. Need, you know you don't need to but you might yeah you know i think people's lives are multifaceted and you know they don't all need to be one thing you know i certainly don't think advertising is the way to solve great social problems so <laughs> you know and, and i don't even know if if uh if film is necessarily the best way to solve great social problems, you know, but, you know, cause I'll, I'll happily listen to a, you know, three hour debate on something or engage mm-hmm. in a three hour debate on something. Um, but that's not really what I'm looking for when I, when I, when I go and watch a film. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I will. I, you might want escapism from the real world. <laughs> exactly. And I'm also not even, you know, and there's an escapism to the process of the filmmaking thing as well. Cause it's like, it's quite light and it's, it, it's, you know, it's, it's exciting in a very different way. There is purpose to it, and and, and it, it's, but it but it's purpose that's 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 you know I have creative purpose here, and I might have you know philosophical or intellectual purpose here that I'm interested mm. in, or political purpose here, and I don't know maybe those things will find some kind of harmony at some point. But I say this quite often in the podcast, like you, people are multifaceted. You have many interests, and I guess they all inform each other subconsciously and consciously at times as well. Yeah, I I, I certainly wouldn't be so. I certainly wouldn't be so confident as to say that they do not that, that i'm capable of them not bleeding into each other of course of course that's no. you know we're not that good at managing our own <laughs> our own minds <laughs> <laughs> i think it's um 
something that especially this this past year as creatives and you know that's I was wanting to go into that subject of COVID and how you've handled that with your career but I guess a lot of creatives would have been when things felt like they just shut down overnight and we were no longer able to do what we do certainly from our perspective I had a bit of, a, of a, an identity crisis in terms of like who am I if I don't do my work because as creatives you're quite often all up in your head thinking about the work quite a lot of the time that's sort of the the negative flip of the coin for the being all yes. in isn't it yeah it's like 100%. it's like you know if, if you're all in then if there's nothing to be in then where are you correct you know correct yeah. and i think that's where the is the importance to have your other things in your life that mm. take your focus away from the job and the creative yeah process and, and also you know it's like it's not as if I'm attempting to balance, you know, a fully fledged career in in uh, you know rocket science and brain surgery. It's like I, I, you know, I feel like my job allows me the capacity to care about other things too. It's it's all consuming, but it's also it's, it's a joy as well, you know. So it's, yes. it doesn't. I don't feel like I want to just go and like close my eyes and lie down in a dark room when I'm finished. You know, I, I get Great. To, you know I I, <laughs> I, I I enjoy it. You know, um, <laughs> but you'd need to because of the amount of work that you put into. You know what I mean? Like you have to get that payback. Yeah, well, it's well, it's, it's not exactly the easiest field to achieve success in. So as mm-hmm. we say, you know, you, you really need to want to do it. But yeah, COVID um, is that um, is that massively affect you? Of course it has because it's a massively affected everybody, but in very different ways. Professionally, and well, I guess you could answer that in, in, in a multitude of ways. I think yes. Professionally, I have been very lucky in the sense that you know when when COVID hit, I was actually shooting. Um, I almost didn't make it back into the country. I was in I was shooting in uh, Cape Town in South Africa for oh, wow for two and a half weeks in the weeks leading up to the first lockdown and the communication either we weren't paying attention sufficiently or the communication hadn't been clear enough that we were kind of slightly unaware so i was there with a british crew and you know we flew back and landed maybe three or four days before everything shut down and we would have been you know stranded it kind of for me it kind of hit with like oh god this is like what is this you know because i was we were talking in south africa about this coronavirus thing and um it was treated with a bit of levity you know there was there was kind of well oh yeah you mean could that nothing seriously affecting was going Mm -hmm. to happen and of course that obviously turned out not to be true but there there was an there is an interesting thing about when you when you in your life you know i mean i was born in 91 um and i've not had since i was born there's not been something on that scale it's something that has you know fundamentally shifted our societal norms in the ma- in the manner that that has so you just your experience tells you well that's n- then nothing like that can happen or it, or it's such like a you know it's, that's the kind of thing that happens in less fortunate countries you know and 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 you do you're kind of that that's that's that you know that's your okay. kind of intuition and then mm. which is why it caught everyone by surprise yeah. you know and obviously things have been worse in less fortunate countries but it is also broken the barrier of our our more privileged culture mm-hmm. but sorry back to the, the 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 work thing is like you know so i think we didn't take it sufficiently seriously to begin with but then you know obviously everything shut down for two or three months you know i mean mm-hmm. everything there was kind of no people hadn't worked out which parts were going to be able to start up again so for the first two or three months obviously there was a a panic for everyone i thought oh well god career's over we can't you know i don't know how we're going to do this i considered because i was living i live with uh, my boyfriend in, in london and we were 
thinking, oh, God, we're going to have to go move move home. And I don't mean move back to Scotland in our, with her through choice. I mean, move back to family homes. Yeah. Mum was like, no, you're not. Um, <laughs> uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it could, everything shut down. There was obviously, you know, as with everyone, I mean, this is nothing new that I'm saying, but there was an unknown for everyone. But I have been very lucky in the sense that film and TV work kicked off pretty quickly. I mean, I, I was probably back on set from July and I and I managed to shoot a bunch of projects remotely in kind of uh, May and June. Wow. So it really was only a couple of months that affected me, you know, from a business perspective. Obviously, the the... Mm-hmm. the the process changes quite a bit. And, and I think the process will remain changed in the sense that there'll be a lot of, there's still a lot of remote working. And I was telling you just before, um, before we started that I'm moving up to moving up to Glasgow um, after yeah. nine years uh, in London. I think that has been enabled by the change in working processes through of COVID. Course, because yeah, yeah. It, I don't think that would have seemed feasible to me um, prior to this. this so that's an incredibly, yeah, yeah. incredibly subjective silver lining (laughs) Um, of course for me Um, but yeah I mean I think you know I've seen the other side of it as well because my partner's an actor and his work disappeared for for an entire year so he finished a a a touring show in the January preceding COVID hitting and was like obviously just come off being the lead in this tour it was an exciting thing he was like probably going to like walk in something else and then everything just went from it's gone so yeah. you know, so it's been so I've seen the kind of profound other side where yeah. you know, he got none of the government support and and no work, whereas I was lucky enough to 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 have mm-hmm. the have the work, so I didn't need to you know do any of those things. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm aware that hasn't been hasn't been the case for everyone. So I do consider my position in this to be kind of profoundly lucky. Mm. Someone did say to me that I, th- I think you know that advertising is probably like the rats on the sinking ship. It's like they're going to be the last to go down. <laughs> if advertising goes down, you know something's seriously wrong. Um, but but the focus obviously shifted. Interestingly, from a kind of, you know, an industry perspective, the focus shifted. You know, I'd been, you know, I made a bunch of um, adverts last year for Lathwaite's wine. Um, yes. And obviously wine subscriptions delivered to your home is a market that's going to boom. <laughs> Tenfold. <laughs> and whereas I, an ad I shot in, in South Africa just before we left was supposed to be going, you know, being put out in a few months following that and was was actually didn't go out until November because it was set at a music festival and it was like party music festival, you know, sunny Distant vibes. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, we can't be putting that out when everyone's at home because yeah, firstly, everyone will hate us and <laughs> it doesn't actually represent anything that's possible. So there's been a shift. That's been an interesting shift. But I have to say, I, I, I can't count myself as having been profoundly lucky through through this. Mm. Professionally speaking, I think, the, I think the trauma of this culturally will be with us for, for some time. I, it's, 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 I agree. Yeah, and you see it in how people are responding to the rules shifting because so, obviously in England the rules have been um, released entirely uh, as of this mm. conversation, um, and you know there's, there's becoming a big divide between you know those who are in support of things like vaccine passports and those who are who are not, and those who are still wearing masks through personal choice, and those who are not wearing masks through personal choice, and those who think other people should be wearing masks and judge them for it, and those people who yeah. are not wearing masks and judge people for wearing them, and it's like <laughs> there's a there's going, I think I think that kind of shift in 
that there's a kind of societal split that obviously didn't Definitely. exist in that manner before. And I think that's going to take some time to get, to get over. Yeah, like, where's the community spirit that we had at the start where we were all, like, giving each other Clapping on balconies and Clapping at the door. Like Aha, totally. Come on, remember that. <laughs> Just let everybody do their thing. <laughs> so, yeah, and, you know, and obviously nothing is, 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 you know, your choices come with consequences. Um, of but, course. But, yes, I think I think we could all, we could all do with being a little less antagonistic for the sake yeah, of it. it's a bit of compassion for your fellow human beings. I would agree with that. But yeah, like you're saying, as much as you deem yourself very lucky to have had the work throughout most of this, um, I, I guess it would have been your ability to adapt and just, like you're saying, like that kind of problem solving, like just going with yeah, it. absolutely. Communicating yourself in the best way possible mm. to, to make things happen, even if it was remotely virtually all the rest of it you know it wouldn't have been without its challenges i'm sure no that's for sure and and you know and they weren't you know they were interesting challenges you know and and I, i'm very conscious of the fact that people listening to this will have been in situations where it wasn't fun problem solving challenges that they were faced with it was yeah. it was kind of inescapable disaster that they were dealing with that you couldn't just you know kind of problem solve your way out of as easily um but that aside there were interesting challenges involved from a filmmaking perspective, and I think what I think the legacy of that is going to be is going to be interesting to see because I think there there are practices that have fundamentally changed, and it might be for the good in some in in some way. You know, I think the the mm. fact that you know when we were filming in South Africa, for example, um, just before the pandemic, the you know we had a client fr- flew over from New York, and we had two clients fly over from Hong Kong, and we had one agency person fly over from London, as well as all of us being over there, and it's like. The, I'd be surprised if that happened now. I think people would dial in remotely and, you know, watch monitors through remote links and stuff, which is all now technology that has actually been developed and perfected as a result of this, you know, and and if you're, you know, concerned with air travel and and, and these kind of things. I was just going to say that the climate will thank you for that. Well, precisely, yeah. And and also, obviously, there's there's some, there is value in the experience of getting to go and see interesting places and all of that kind of stuff. But I think there's going to be, there's probably going to be more of a balance for it. And it's going to be less, you know, someone doesn't need to, you know, fly to the other side of the world every month. Yeah, I mean, I've spoken about this before as well, like with projects that I've been on before, we were seeing like production meetings, like I would, even like me just driving into Glasgow to have a production mm. meeting, like that can now that can happen on Zoom. Like yeah. we don't need to necessarily be in the room for that kind of thing. It's like yeah, just maybe thinking about these things. It's a double edged sword because you know there is obviously there is environmental value to not driving into Glasgow, but there's also social value lost in you yes. know, and, and and our our world is is not one thing. You know, it's not just the environment. No. It's and it's not just our social world Very either. True. You know, it's 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 a fine balance of of all balance. of these things, and I think that's going to be interesting trying to find that find that balance again. Yeah, because uh, I guess so many of us are just hankering after that in real life experience. So you're like, yeah, I care about the climate, and I maybe don't need to drive into Glasgow, but also I'd like to actually see real people in real time. Yeah, and also no bloody wonder that you want to see actual real people because that's not that you know that's not an unreasonable ask, and it's not a trivial. You can't just wave that away and say, "Oh well, it's no. you know it's good for the environment." It's like it is, but there's but there are other things you're contending with. You know, there are other there are other facets to this discussion. And as creatives, we do thrive on on the human connection. I guess that's, <laughs> that's for sure. That's what we <laughs> I mean, everyone everyone thrives on human connection, but I think that <laughs> yeah, in, in 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 something that is so profoundly linked to collaboration. You can't really avoid that, and 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 a lot is lost in virtual mm-hmm. communication, which I'm sure everyone is feeling. I mean, people people didn't people who were living alone during the pandemic probably 
did not feel like they'd been at parties all the time just because they were speaking to people on Zoom. And I think there's a reason. You know, it's not <laughs> it's not the same. No, it's not. It's definitely not. Just thank goodness, you know, for us that have had been afforded the opportunity to have the internet and have computers. And, you know, I'm just thinking about people that just haven't had that, you know, and young people mm. especially. But hopefully things are on the up. Things are on the up. Well, that's for sure. I mean, yeah, it, it could always be worse is, uh, is one way of thinking about it. <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to take that. That's a good. Yeah. It'd always be worse. Well, sure. that's true. I mean, it could be. It could also be better. So there's something to go for in for as well. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, you're moving to Glasgow, which is very exciting, and mm. um, moving forward with other projects. I'm sure, like we were saying earlier on, I'm sure you're open to anything and everything because it all has its value. But do you have? some projects that you're like that would be amazing if I could pull that off I've got an idea for something or I would just really like to work on that dishwasher <laughs> <laughs> well that's put, again putting it out there for any, any sell, sell, sell. dishwasher clients um I've got something yeah something in development at the moment that is cool. a kind of longer term project um that I'm working with a production company and a a couple of writers and actors with at the moment, which may well flourish into something wonderful and and may not, but we will we will keep pushing on that. It's incredibly vague, but it's all, all good. But yes it's is vague. the answer, potentially. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and then also and then also there is the, you know, I, I continue to to find great enjoyment and and value in in the professional work that I'm I'm doing as well. Like I think mm. the you know, I, I I enjoy my job. There's very little about it that I don't enjoy, and the and the, and the, the the moments that I find either boring or frustrating, I do have to like check myself and 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 say, well, you know, you, well, you could always be worse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've got a pretty you've got it pretty good. I think the I think the creative's dream is to be making you know a full time good living out of the thing that you would do, even if you weren't being paid to do it. I think that's the yes. You know that, that's that's the goal, and it's not always it's not always possible. But you know, I count myself profoundly lucky to have to have found that. What would you say to twelve year old Michael now, with the wealth of experience behind you at this point in your career? I don't think I would say anything because, well, well, I, I think what what has what has uh, afforded me the experiences that I've had. And what brings me to the position that I'm in now, you know, and, and I'm not pretending there isn't a long way for me to go. I mean, I'm still very much on that journey. Um, but what what allowed that to happen was, at least in part, my curious naivety at twelve. And I think if I knew everything, well, perhaps I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have discovered it in a manner that was productive. So I would have said, <laughs> just keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely. Now, Michael, I didn't tell you, but I'm aware of time. You're a very busy person. So I've got a list of questions called the Hingamajigs, and they're just random ones that I mm. like to select for each guest, if you'll indulge me. Um, are, they, are they are they quick fire or are they just Well, um, they could be. I mean, I can edit out the long pauses, so it seems that you're quick fire. <laughs> like. <laughs> what is your biggest pet peeve? People unwilling to entertain alternative opinions. Here, here. What's a moment in your past that you would want to relive again? Probably my the year post-uni when it seemed like anything was possible. Best thing about Scotland? The people. I'm very good at this. Very very much so <laughs> fire around. Um, 
Here's a random one. If you could raid the costume department of any film, what film would it be? To wear myself. Ah, if you want. Or just... <laughs> Or use the costumes for one of your films. <laughs> well, there was a, re- yeah, Star Wars. <gasps> yes. Loved it. I dressed up as Darth Vader for the majority of my childhood, so. <laughs> an, an original costume would, would come in handy only rarely, I think, in public, but you never know. You never know. <laughs> I like it. And the question that I ask everyone, because it is called the Brawn the Brave, uh, what is your favourite Scots word or phrase? Well, from someone who moved to London and realised that out with is not a word here. Yes. It's a very useful word. And I use it here with with great utility and it's met (laughs) with with confusion. The actual way to say it would be without. So so you'd be within something and without something. And however, that that has another meaning um, as well. So it's confusing. So out with is a good Scottish word that probably to most people in Scotland isn't considered a Scottish word, but it is one. Well, you are the first person to see it on the bra and the brave, and this is 161 episodes in. So well done. What have you had? Things like oh, so Blake it and, and aye, uh, Belter, yeah. Mocket, Houghton, Bogan. <laughs> good. Well, I don't use any of these words, but I do use out with. <laughs> Dreek. I like Dreek. That's a that's a that's a that's a good word. Yeah, but stick with it. Stick with the original one. That's better. It with listen. You can take that torch. You're the first person to see it, Michael. <laughs> this has been a joy. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. your time and energy to the Broad and the Brave. It's been lovely to meet you. Well, thank you for and, uh, Oh, not at all. And I, I just, um, I wish you all the best, all the success, and what you're up to next. And I'll well, you too. Eighty breath. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure we'll chat soon. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Broad and the Brave podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.